Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. pretty faces back there so good to see them amen I know circumstances and pain and health and just a bunch of other things have just been uh, prohibiting them uh, from being here amen I know that their heart would be here amen desire to be here hallelujah I'm going to turn to first Peter chapter number five I'm going to read the first four verses the first four verses amen first Peter chapter five and the first four verses amen tonight we have talked about crowns, haven't we? Crown of life, the incorruptible crown. Amen. Last week, or we talked about even the uh, crown of righteousness. And so tonight we're going to pick up and talk about the crown of glory. The crown of glory. First Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 1. Uh, also, I don't want to fail to also, among all the other announcements, there will be a section 6 overflow rally. That's in our section, the 28th of March. That's a Saturday at 3 p.m. at South Gibson Apostolic Church or also known or will be known as Apostolic Revival Center. Um, and uh, Brother Brian Lycan uh, will be uh, speaking at that. And my wife says there will be no ladies meeting in March. So, man, keep your eyes on that and on social media and stuff because there's a lot of stuff. It'll be easy maybe to show up on prayer on Friday and you should have been, you know, <laughs> get them all twisted around. It would be so easy to do. First Peter 5, verse number 1, the Bible says, The elders which are among you I exhort, this is Peter writing his epistle here, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but a ready mind. There are just some phrases in Scripture that's so great, like filthy lucre. Isn't that a great phrase to describe money? Filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Verse 4, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. A crown of glory that fadeth not away. And here in those verses, Peter is addressing the elders or spiritual leadership. Amen. We want to look at this a little while tonight. Hallelujah. Help me pray this evening. Father, I pray, O oh God, that you would bring our hearts and our minds together. Lord, here tonight, help us, God, to be sensitive, Lord, to the will of your spirit, God, and your purpose, God, that it would be done, Lord, here this evening. I pray, O oh God, that you're able, Lord Jesus, God, the tiredness of bodies, O Lord, the circumstances of people's lives. God, that could easily, Lord, come in and the cares of life could choke out, Lord Jesus, the word. I pray, O oh God, let your word find good ground, Lord Jesus, to land on and take root and grow thereby. Lord, and will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you do and accomplish, Lord, through your word. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. 
First Peter chapter five. Again, Peter starts out, and we've done our series on Peter, if you remember, not that long ago, both first and second Peter. But uh, we're going to take another stab in a different venue with our concentration being on the crown of glory here. But he's addressing the elders. He's addressing the elders. Now, these particular elders, uh, we're not necessarily thinking about gray-headed, wrinkled, old type of uh, situation type of elders. They could be, but it isn't necessarily what the reference is. These are elders or, more importantly, spiritual leaders, spiritual leaders that have been provided for the church or that are provided for, as, as Peter terms it, the flock of God. They are referenced here as the flock. Peter is an elder. Uh, he is a spiritual leader for the church. And he even states, he kind of gets in the boat with them. They are elders, and so he's finding some common ground to speak to them on. He says that he is an elder himself and that he has witnessed the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those things that led up to the Lord's arrest and even uh, the subsequent uh, crucifixion of the Lord. He had witnessed the sufferings of the Lord, the, 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 the blood, the crown of thorns, all those things that the Lord went through. As a matter of fact, there is probably no greater indication of Peter's eldership or spiritual leadership uh, than the day of Pentecost occurrence that took place in Acts chapter number 2. But we know even prior to Pentecost in the, in the accounts of the Gospels that Peter had influence among his peers before Pentecost even ever came. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of John chapter 21 that Peter got in his uh, life, he got an idea. He had been a fisherman. The Lord had called him, made several different calls to him to be a disciple. But he had been a, a fisherman and he calls out to the guys around him. He says, I go fishing. And wouldn't you know, no sooner he said that, the other disciples kind of chime in. Well, we're going to go with you. We're going to go as well. So he already uh, exemplified influence, if you will, in the lives of those that were around him uh, before Pentecost ever happened. But Peter is emphasizing that the elders, the spiritual leaders are responsible and chargeable in how they handle their influence in the life of other people. He says, you, because of your place and your position, by virtue of that alone, there's a certain amount of influence, he says, that you have in the lives of people. But you are responsible, even chargeable, on how you will handle that influence in the lives of others. He says, the, the way that you take the oversight or the, the, the managing, if you will, of the flock, he said, that comes into play. He said, uh, it's best that you lead the flock. And I'm just, verses 1 through 4 there, you can see all this there. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. He says, you could best lead the flock uh, by being an example to the flock. Be in samples, he said, uh, to the flock. I would be absolutely wrong tonight here as your pastor if I told you that Peter simply endorsed a to the elders, to the spiritual leadership, that he simply endorsed a live your life before them and they'll catch on approach. That's not the way that Peter had it. He wasn't satisfied just for these elders or the spiritual leadership just to live the life before them. He wanted them to do that, but not that alone. He didn't believe that they could just live it and then catch on. He told the leaders also, he said, feed the flock in there as well. He said, feed the flock, which for us interprets preach and teach to the flock. All right. But also then in verse number three, he tells them that they can't be lords 
over the flock. In other words, they can't be like uh, just dictating actions and rules and regulations to the flock without those principles being lived before them. And so there is a two sides to this scale. Uh, these elders, the eldership of these individuals, they must feed the flock with the preaching and teaching of the word, but they must also live out what they have preached and taught others themselves. And so this, he says, this is how uh, you need to uh, respond. This is how you need to act for those people that you have influence over and influence with. Feed the flock and lead the flock by example. So in other words, the elders, the spiritual leaders, and no, so I don't do it 10,000 times from now. Anytime I say elders or spiritual leaders, one is just as well as for the other to put in the blank, okay? Amen. These elders could not hold the people they led to a higher practice then they exampled themselves. And so this is very similar. If you start think with me, it's amazing as I've done this study now for four weeks through these things, how these crowns and these uh, uh, requirements and different things start to weave in and among each of these different crowns and settings of scriptures. Because whenever we think about not holding people as a leader to a higher practice than what we're willing to example ourselves. It reminds me then, Sister Sheila, of 1 Corinthians 9.27. The Apostle Paul that was relaying his position of being both a herald at the races and also a runner himself. If you will remember, he thought himself to be both. In 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27, Paul says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others the word preached if you remember is herald his responsibility to excite others for the races tell them the rules and the regulations if I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway he seen himself as one that was running the race and also one that was given instructions to others on how they should run the race. Paul said, I don't want to have told others how to do this and then not do it myself and I become a castaway or unapproved or disqualified because since I'm laying down the rules, I need to run by the same rules. And it's amazing to me. Scripture is so amazing. Amen, that Paul's saying that, but Peter over here talking in the same terms, if you will, to the elders, and he's talking about a crown as well, is telling them they cannot hold the people they're talking to to a higher practice than they're willing to example themselves. Peter and Paul are both really saying the exact same thing, amen, concerning this race of life and this journey that we're on and, and, and securing a crown someday whenever this is all said and done. Uh, Paul said that he was going to, in order to... To avoid this, he was going to have to then run with all in order to obtain the crown. Now look at it. Paul had heralded it. We're looking at Peter. We're going to switch over to here to Peter now. I'm going back and forth a little bit. Paul heralded it. He preached it to others. What did Peter say to the elders? Feed the flock. Amen. Then we have Paul. Amen. He ran his race. He ran his race by the same standards that he required others to run the race. And so just like now Peter over here, he's wanting us to lead the flock by example. And so that's what Paul was getting at over in Corinthians as well. Lest they become a castaway, lest they become disqualified or unapproved. Because here's the fact of the matter. If Paul did not run with all and run according to the rules, there would be henceforth no crown laid up for him. 
Likewise, Peter is trying to convey to these elders and spiritual leaders, if they don't uphold the very things they want others to uphold, there's not going to be a crown of glory for them either. Amen. So you start to see then, I hope you have over the past four weeks, how these things start to weave together concerning the crowns. Because Peter speaks about living our lives unto the Lord, whether we are elders, whether we're spiritual leaders or not. And Paul has basically talked about the same thing. He says it doesn't matter if you're the herald or the runner. You need to abide by the rules of the race. Amen. For that matter, spiritual leaders, when you think of spiritual leaders, you probably think of evangelists, missionaries, pastors, teachers, so on and so forth. Remember, now Peter is speaking here in terms of the chief shepherd. He's talking about spiritual leadership. A pastor may be the shepherd of God's people, all right? But he's also, he's got a, he's got a peculiar place in life. He's the pastor or the shepherd of God's people, but he's also the sheep of God's flock. Amen. So I, I'm a shepherd of a church here at 1121 Cedar Street, but I'm also a part of the pasture. <laughs> I am a, a lamb, if you will, or a sheep that's a part of God's flock. God is the chief shepherd. That's what Peter says. We, me personally, or every other spiritual leader is nothing but a under shepherd. And we are answerable to God just as much as everybody out here are answerable to God. And so here's something we got to get in mind then concerning the elders or not an elder. The race is the same whether you're a pastor or a saint. The rules and regulations, might I say, of the basic race are the same whether you're a pastor or whether you're a saint. And the fact of the matter is this, the reward is the same whether you're a pastor or a saint. There is a crown awaiting us me, you, spiritual leader, if you are, if you're not, it doesn't matter. There's a crown awaiting us. And as I've seen over the past four weeks, from my, from my point of view, you can call it a crown of life, a crown of righteousness, an incorruptible crown, or a crown of glory. Nonetheless, it is some type, it is a reward. It is a crown for each and every one of us. Saint, pastor, evangelist, whomever you may be. Peter tells us that the elders, that they will receive a crown of glory. Look at the terminology here again. That fadeth not away. How many times have we heard or seen that? In the past few weeks. He says, you're going to receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away when the chief shepherd appears. I like that. I just got to throw this in. He didn't say if the He didn't say if the sheep, the chief. I almost got sheep and chief together. The chief shepherd. We're going to do tongue twisters tonight. Didn't say if, but when. In other words, it's a definite he's going to come. And when he comes, you'll receive a crown of glory. If what? If, you have, if you've handled yourself in preaching, the, preaching to the flock, leading the flock, and also abiding by the same rules that you have asked others to abide by according to the word of God. And so here's the fact of the matter. Peter is not dealing with then, oh, this is a crown of glory for people that's in spiritual leadership meaning that there's a particular crown for elders. There's a particular crown for a pastor. No, it's still a crown that fades not away as we've seen a, the incor incorruptible crown and some of the other crowns that we've already studied. With all these descriptions, there's been that idea of it made, if you will, contrasting the races of those made out of flowers and those then that last beyond a day that are eternal. So Paul, though, as he speaks even in the 
First Corinthians mode and speaking about the crown of righteousness and, and the crown, if you will, that is incorruptible. Paul himself, when he spoke in the other places that we have read, amen, he was an elder. He was a spiritual leader. I mean, right in almost two-thirds of the New Testament, established churches, various places, he was a spiritual leader in his own regard. Yet he told Timothy, he said, there is a crown that's laid up for me. Remember him saying that? He said, but evidently it's not a special crown. He said, because it's not for me only, but it's for all those that love his appearing." So we're not talking about a tailor-made crown for a special elder or spiritual leader. No, it's just that Peter was trying to convey that you'll receive the same crown as everybody else receives if you just run the race the way you're supposed to run your race. That's what it comes down to. It's not a big I, it's not a little you, none of that stuff. Everybody's going to get the same reward if they run the race with the fervency and with according to the guidelines as they should be run. Amen. Look, if you will, again, 2 Timothy 4 and 8. This is Paul now, the elder. He said, henceforth there is laid up for me. See, there it is, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. And not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. So if the elders, if they will run their race, which also encompasses their ministry, because being an elder or a spiritual guide, that's part of their race, feeding the sheep and leading the sheep. Peter is underscoring the fact they are going to get the reward too. Now, remember, and I know you're going to have to listen for Paul and Peter back and forth because I'm jumping back and forth, and they're so close, and they're all both, you know. Paul, if you'll remember, encouraged Timothy in his ministry. He said, in 2 Timothy, he said, make full proof of thy ministry. Or, in other words, fulfill your ministry. You remember him? He was telling Timothy, encouraging him, Timothy, some people's going to follow. Some people's not going to follow. Remember what he told Timothy, though, in that setting of scriptures, preach the word. What's the message? Feed the flock. And he said, endure afflictions and do the work of an evangelist. What's the message? Lead the flock. So again, this feeding and leading of the flock by example. Amen. He was speaking unto Timothy. Now, Peter, back to Peter, Peter spoke to the leadership of the flock here that they had an obligation to their ministry and they were to view it as a ministry. You can see this in, in like verse number two. They were to view it as a ministry or a service to the people rather than a job. All right. That required them to receive wages or payment. Peter told the elders to fulfill their ministry, not down here for filthy lucre, all right? All right? Not for, don't do your ministry and acts of feeding and leading by example down here for filthy lucre or for a down here reward. You need to set your goals higher than that. <laughs> you need to set your goals higher than that, don't look for filthy lucre down here. You need to think about a heavenly reward. You need to think about a crown of glory that fades not away. He says, if you're looking for money down here, you are shooting too low. You, <laughs> you need to shoot higher than that. It is a crown of glory that fades not away. Amen. Listen, folks, 
If all that life was serving for the Lord was per se, quote unquote, riches, I'd be greatly disappointed. This is what money's not everything. I know it's some things. The Bible says in, in Proverbs that money answereth all things. That's what it says. But it also says this in Proverbs 23 and 5. Wilt thy set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Now, I believe some of us could probably say, amen, brother. <laughs> as soon as it, I mean, it comes in for landing, it's like an airplane that just hits the runway and takes right back off. It just has wings. And it. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder where she went. Huh? <laughs> so, so Peter, Peter's telling, telling the elders, he said, don't you do it for filthy lucre because, honey, he has a tendency to fly away, you know. It's here today and gone tomorrow. He said, you need to set your goals higher than that. There is a crown of glory that fades not away. It's not going to dissipate. So the crown of glory that Peter refers to at the appearing of Christ, that when the chief shepherd shall come, you'll receive that crown of glory. Note, if you will, back to 1 Peter 5 and verse 1, that this glory is the glory that Peter was made a partaker of when he referenced it there in verse number one. He was made a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He was made a partaker of the glory even that he would receive before it was revealed in its totality at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing because God wants his glory to fill the earth. God wants his glory uh, in our services that we have, what he wants in our preaching that goes on. What he wants is his glory. That's all. At the, if anybody ever came to service and said, man, I just wonder what God wants in this service. I tell you what he wants. He wants himself to get the glory. That's just, that's just as plain and basic as it can get. He wants to, to, to get the glory. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2 and 14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In other words, Habakkuk spoke of a day when the glory of the Lord would be known. He spoke of a day when the glory of the Lord would be pervasive. And let me tell you this, that it will never, the glory of the Lord will never be any more pervasive than when he returns. It is to a certain degree an element right now through those that are living upon this earth that's been baptized in the name and filled with the Holy Ghost, but it will never be any more pervasive than when the chief shepherd returns and fills literally the earth with his glory. If you'll remember, now thinking, we have glimpses of glory. I would even say, oh man, we just, you know, some people's like, man, it's just, you can just feel the glory of the Lord. Or there's been tongues of interpretation whenever there's a bit. In, I remember the middle church, a haze in the, in the sanctuary. God came down and talked about he made that his dwelling place and his glory and things of that nature. Amen? Oh, yeah. Uh, if you'll think, though, for a moment, because Peter is saying, I, I, I was a partaker of the glory, and it's going to be revealed whenever Christ comes. That's not an impossibility. If you think, Moses even had an encounter with God. And what was the thing that he was requesting of the Lord in Exodus 33 is that he wanted, he said, shew me your glory. And God says, well, I can put you over here in the cleft of the rock, a hallowed out spot here by me, but I'm going to have to cover my hand over you. Right? I have to cover my hand over you, and I'll cause all my glory to pass by before you 
But I'm only going to remove my hand so you can see the hinder parts. <laughs> Just the hinder parts. And so Moses got to see the back parts of God's glory. But that was enough to be a partaker of the glory. Although it was a part and not the whole, he was still a partaker of it. Peter said that I was a partaker of the glory that was going to be revealed. Amen. He was a partaker of it. Amen. But, but the totality of it had not yet taken place yet. What are you saying? It's, it's much like, it's, it's very uh, similar to these runners that come to the race. And before the race is ever run and before they've ever finished, they have been shown the prizes. They have been shown what the uh, rewards could, amen, be for them. That's just the same how Peter shared or associated with the glory, amen, yet he's waiting for the full completion of the glory when the Spirit of the Lord, amen, appears the chief shepherd and comes back for him in his church. How in the world, Brother McGee, could Peter, amen, be a partaker or share, if you will, the glory of the Lord? I'll say one way that I believe Peter could share the glory of the Lord is that he and just a couple other disciples were taking up a mount called the Mount of Transfiguration. And the Bible says as they were up there, amen, that there the Lord's vesture was changed and it became wider than any dyer or any individual, amen, could wide it. And, and Peter even said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I want to build three tabernacles for Moses and Elijah and you. And there was a absolute, if you will, glory of the Lord that was witnessed in that time. But I'll tell you something else, amen, about whenever Peter could have been a partaker of the glory and this puts me on even footing with the apostle Peter this is how I can be a partaker of the glory and that is on the day of Pentecost when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire and it sat upon them and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. He became a partaker of the glory that was still yet going to be revealed in its fullness whenever Christ comes back. Can I tell you today, you can, before you get a crown of glory, be a partaker of the glory. Oh, yes. I might even say a prerequisite to getting the crown is being a partaker of it now. <laughs> Brother Gregory, that makes me happy, buddy. I'm telling you, I'm on even ground and footing with the apostle. Amen, Peter. He was a partaker of that which shall be revealed. I have been a partaker in the year 1987 of that which was to be revealed. And all along this little journey, every once in a while in prayer, every once in a while in the service, every once in a while here and there, you know what I get? I'm just a partaker of the glory. But I'm waiting for the crown that does not fade away. I'm waiting for the moment that I don't just feel in the service and then I leave and it all dissipates. I'm waiting for the moment. Woo! Hallelujah! Jesus. I'm almost getting excited. Look, look at verse 10 of 1 Peter 5. Look at verse 10 when you consider this glory concept. Peter says that the God of all grace who have called us unto his, watch it here, eternal glory by Jesus Christ. 
after you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. So in verse 1 of 1 Peter 5, Peter says, I was also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And he says, and I would receive a crown or a reward of glory because he had been called along with others to God's eternal glory by Jesus Christ. And so there again, there's this little tapestry that's being woven in the scriptures, even here in Peter. We're talking about crowns and rewards and glory. We're talking about things that must be endured in order to receive these things. As we go through the pages of 1 Peter, amen, he speaks of trial. He speaks of faithfulness. He speaks of glory. He speaks of the love for the Lord. These are all things that we have spoken to date of since this series, right? Up to this moment in time. Look at it, if you will. I just want to hit on a few of them through First Peter. In First Peter 1 and 7, amen, he says, The trial of your faith might be found unto, one of the things it says, might be found unto glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 8 of the same chapter, that you've not seen the Lord, but you loved him. And you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of Someone wrote a hymn on those lines. It is joy unspeakable. <laughs> Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter 4, 11, that in all things, including to the elders, their ministry, God may be glorified. And then in verse 13 of the same chapter, that we will be glad when his glory is revealed. Amen. Look at, if you will, again, 1 Peter 1 and 7. Look at the scripture here, that the trial of your faith you can skip on down. All that other is very important. But that the trial of your faith, we want to make the connection, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whenever Peter addressed the elders in chapter number 5, he was talking to a group of people that was caring for the flock of God in a very critical season of their lives. Because these people were having, according to the first chapter, of 1 Peter, these people were having a trial of their faith. They were suffering. We did our series on this already, but they were battling with their identity in this world. If they were going to assume the identity of the world, or if they were going to walk by the beat of a different drum, they were warring back and forth with that. And as a result, they had an endurance, if you will, of trials. Mm-hmm. But here's the amazing thing. That trial of faith would materialize into glory at the appearing of the chief shepherd. Someone say amen. Let me say it like this. Again, crown of life, faithfulness, the temptations, remember it all? You see how this stuff connects uh, without just putting all the puzzles? It is, it is almost like a puzzle the way that all this stuff, amen, connects together. Here's something that I want us to put in our hearts and minds, though. Some of the same things that make the journey difficult qualify us and temper us for finishing the race and receiving a crown of glory. The very same things. The very same things that have proven difficult are going to be the things that's going to be the win in ourselves that propel us to the end to be, if you will, beneficiaries of the crown of glory. Not only that, but look at verse 10 of 1 Peter 5. Look at verse 10. Look what he contrasts right there, talking about that God has called us into uh, his eternal glory. Look, after that we have 
shepherd a while. Note the two contrasts there, please. Notice the two contrasts. You suffered a while, but the glory is eternal. <laughs> the suffering, in the, all in all, will be a moment, but the glory is eternal. Mm -hmm. Someone say amen. Paul said in Romans 8, Paul said that we have received a spirit of adoption whereby we cry out the Father. He goes on in verse number 17 of Romans 8. This is Paul's thoughts. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Oh, I like that. Amen. The Bible oftentimes speaks about how we participate in the fellowship of his suffering. But it's not just participate in the fellowship of his suffering, but we'll also then by virtue of that, participate in the power of his resurrection hallelujah he said ah, <laughs> we're being called to an eternal glory after we suffered a little while Woo! that's telling me that there's only one way that suffering's going to end it's going to end in glory Woo! oh yes <laughs> oh just a few more days of trouble just a few more days of heartache just a few more days of difficulty and oppression and, and hardship. Just a few more days because I know how this ends. After I suffer a little while, I'm being called to an eternal glory. A crown of glory. A crown of righteousness. A crown of life. A crown of abundance. Oh, yes. I, I, like the old preacher used to say, hey, I'm not sad. I've read the end of the book. I know how this thing ends. It ends in glory. Look what Paul goes on to say, talking about if so be that we suffer with him, Romans 8, 17, that we may also glorify together for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he says what I'm going through right now. It's going to pale in comparison to the glory that's revealed in me then. Because how, how do we perceive things now? The Bible tells us in other places of Scripture. Now, where we are, boxed in these bodies, the Bible says now we see through a glass darkly. But then we shall see face to face. And will we, we will behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord, and we will be changed from glory to glory. That's scripture. <laughs> Hallelujah. In other words, yeah, I'm a partaker of glory right now, but I'm looking through a glass darkly right now. There is only so much that I can experience, only so much that I can feel, only so, but whenever, amen, this old body is no longer tethering me down. Hallelujah. When this old flesh is no longer and the soul has separated from this body, and I've been changed and this, this, this mortal has put on immortality and this corruptible has put on incorruptible. My God. Oh, yes. When that happens, mm. <laughs> someone say, mm. that's how I feel, folks. And the sufferings of this present time are not going to be worthy to be compared to that glory that shall be revealed in us. See, the, 
There's a phrase in verse 1 of 1 Peter 5 of our text. The New Living Translation relays this. Peter not just, not just relays this Peter having had been a partaker only, but that he also would be. It says it like this. I, as though Peter was speaking too, will share his glory, speaking of the chief shepherd, and his honor when he returns. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share in his glory. When, when he returns. And let me tell you something, if I may. If you share in his glory today and continue, you will share in his glory on that day and receive a crown. Woo! Hallelujah! Of glory. Someone say amen. Now, we doing all right? We are. First Peter 5 is not the only place that you'll find the crown of glory. There's other places that speak of the crown of glory. I'll just give a few, but there's some that I want to get to in particular. But Proverbs 4, 9 talks about how wisdom and understanding is a crown of glory to a person. Also, Proverbs 16, 31 says the hoary head. That means the gray headed. We have a few here that could qualify white headed. All right. That the hoary head is a crown of glory. This is important. I think even for our study, if it be found in the way of righteousness. In other words, not every gray headed individual is a crown of glory. Only those who are found in the path of or in the way of righteousness. We could go back talking about the crown of righteousness and about right conduct that is acceptable unto the Lord. Amen. So they're considered a crown if they be found in a person that's found in the way of righteousness. Either way, the concept of sharing the glory or righteousness now, again, prepares us to receive a crown of glory or a crown of righteousness at his appearing. Now, here are the the few verses or the few places in Scripture where crown of glory is also used that I want to point and bring to your attention. It's found also in Isaiah both chapter 28 and chapter 62. Both of these chapters speaks of a crown of glory. Here's the interesting thing. In one of these chapters, the crown of glory is the Lord. And then in the other chapter, the ground, crown of glory is a city, or more importantly, the people of the city. So one, the crown of glory is representative of the Lord, and another, it's the representative of the people. Interesting to me. Isaiah 25 or 28 and verse 5, this is what the Bible says then. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. So this is the scripture where it speaks as the Lord being the crown of glory. Unto the residue of his people. He said, in that day, I'll just give you a little background because, again, everything needs to be set in its proper terms and context. But in that day, he is speaking of, if you read Isaiah 28, this is a day that, that Ephraim, Ephraim was another name for the northern, the northern tribes of Israel. There were ten tribes. Israel split at one time. Ten tribes to the north, two tribes to the south. Ephraim was another name that they called the ten tribes that were in the north. Collectively, they would call them Ephraim. In this day, Ephraim, you can read the scriptures there in Isaiah 28, had made 
themselves drunk. Their city, Samaria, is described as the crown of pride in verse number 1 of Isaiah 28. He speaks to that city and that area as their beauty is a fading flower. All right? In other words, this is what the Lord was speaking to them because the northern tribes of Israel, according to God's word, would be taken away by Assyria. They're going to be taken away by Assyria because of their unwholesome living, their unrighteous living. They're going to be taken away, which he depicts here in Scripture as their drunkenness. And so he says then, there's going to be, Ephraim, there's going to be a group of you that's going to be taken away. The fading flower, the beauty of you all, is just going to turn to disgust because of your unwholesome living. He said, but the residue of the people, the residue of the people, which be mainly the southern, the southern two tribes of Judah, he says, they're not going to be without glory. They're not going to be without beauty. He says, because I am going to be their crown of glory. Now, it's interesting because then when we go to Isaiah 62 and verse number 3, here is the change up. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory. The thou is referring to Zion and or Jerusalem. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. In this verse, verse number three of, of, of Isaiah 62, the Lord is referring, referencing Zion and Jerusalem's sake, particularly the people of those areas. The Lord speaks of these cities and more plainly the people that they would be the crown of glory that would be in his hand. It's interesting to me, there's almost this mutual relationship of glory. The people to the Lord is a crown of glory. But the Lord to the people is a crown of glory. Let me state it like this. We are his crown of glory as we live righteously before him. It was only for, hey man, these people that walked according to his statutes and commandments and ways. We are his crown of glory when we walk according to righteousness. But he is our crown of glory. I like it how the Apostle Paul says, I think, in Ephesians, and he says in other places, speaking of that spirit of the Lord that we receive, that it is the earnest of our inheritance. Huh? That it is, if you will, the start or, or, the, or, or the portion of what is to come in totality later. He, God, is our crown of glory in a world of Ephraimite drunkenness, so to speak. In a world that is falling down around us, he is our crown of glory. Now watch this, Isaiah 62, verses 1 and 2. Amen. We'll come to a close here in about two minutes, three minutes. For Zion's sake, Isaiah 62 and 1. For Zion's sake, here he is saying it, will I not hold my peace? For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Until the righteousness thereof, what? Go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth, verse 2. And the Gentiles shall see thy, who's he talking to? The people. They're going to see your righteousness and all kings thy glory. That thou shalt be called a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Oh my goodness. God is a crown of glory to his people 
that are walking in the way of righteousness. He says, there's nothing, amen, that's going to happen against you, amen, because I want you to go forth and for people to see your righteousness and the king see your glory. But the only reason why there's any glory dispensed upon us while we walk upon this earth is because of the way that we live and walk our lives and our path. I'm, I'm hastening too close. I really am. I promise you. My wife, if she knows if I say, like, I give her a Paul McGee guarantee, she can take that thing to the bank. Absolutely. If I give her my word in that form, there is no, there is no wavering on that. It's going to happen. So I'm giving you Paul McGee guarantee we're going to be out of here before 45 minutes. You can stand with me. Told you. Note real quickly, though. Peter talks about how the elders will receive a crown of glory when the chief shepherd appears. And then look in verse 5. He says, likewise, younger, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. There's a lot conveyed in that little likeness thing. Because the elders are to be subject to the chief shepherd. And he says, likewise, then the younger need to be submitted to the elders. But as the elders will receive a crown of glory when Christ appears, likewise, the younger will receive a crown of glory if they be found in the way of righteousness. Look at some of the things, though, they're going to have to do. If you read chapter 5, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, sinketh whom he may. What's that mean? So there's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some hardships, but you got to be faithful. You got to endure. You got to persevere. And he tells them in verse 9, he says, Whom remain steadfast in the faith. All of that are requirements for obtaining, if you will, the crown of glory, crown of righteousness, incorruptible crown. I'm still on this path that I believe there's just really one. But we'll look at next week the crown of rejoicing. Let's pray right now. Father, I come to you tonight. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for your love. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, God, for your spirit. I'm thankful, God, that you have made us, Lord, even at this position and place in our lives to be able to be partakers of the glory that shall be revealed. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, I want you to be my crown even now, Lord, and I want to receive the crown, Lord, in totality then. I pray, oh, God, help us to walk, Lord, circumspectly, carefully, Lord, as the Bible says in this life. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, that you're able to help us, Lord, as leaders, Lord, pastors, teachers, Lord and saints Lord regardless God that we would feed the flock we would lead the flock and we would run our race Lord according Lord to the prescription of scripture God that someday I'm going to wear a crown wear a crown oh I'm going to wear a crown Lord Jesus God when that trumpet sounds that you're appearing God be with your people this week God strengthen them heal bodies God I pray oh Lord give health to those Lord that are in need of it Lord take away discomfort and pain from those that are experiencing it in the name of Jesus Christ Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.